truly marvelous to be able to worship in person together. But uh, let us open the word of God together, starting from Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jezedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this temp house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jezedek, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once again shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And now let us open Ezra chapter 3, starting from verse 11. Ezra 3, verse 11. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, for the foundation of the house was being laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the shout, sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. May God bless us richly as we explore these passages together. So whenever I find myself talking to any large group of people, I find myself often tempted to think, what was that mistake I made that led me to this place? For me, I'm often tempted to make the comparisons of the relative safety of being in that congregation to being exposed up here. But the comparisons we see in the passage today do not come from a fear of public speaking, but from a variety of purposes which I'd like to explore with you today. When we start the passage that David said so well about, God has spoken in Haggai for the building of his temple. God directs his people to remember his dwelling place of the past. But more than that, he directed his people to remain strong. Looking back at the previous passages of Haggai and Ezra, the people of Israel had shown a desire to serve and to pursue God. This desire had fallen off in the face of distractions 
from the opposing forces around them and the fear that they had inside them. But they had started so strongly, building an altar and sacrificing on that altar, all being surrounded by the enemies. I won't get into this too deeply because Adam has already covered this oh so well the previous Sunday. But here, God makes a comparison by drawing the memories of the Hebrews from the glories of Solomon's temple, which you've seen, and then directed them, their eyes, to the rubble that they could see around them. This glorious memory of this building in the memory of the elders showed the neglect of God's house. It was a powerful reminder to the people of Israel, and an even harsher reminder is seen in Haggai chapter 1, where it is said, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? These reminders to look after God's possessions is often oversimplified as maybe looking after the church building or a calling that you have in particular. But these are all incredibly worthy goals. But how do we know we're not missing anything in pursuit of those singular goals? When we look at the Hebrews, they were worshiping God. They built him an altar surrounded by the enemies. Why wasn't this simply enough? Like the Hebrews, we're often caught up in the all-consuming processes of life today. For them, they were building a city up. For us, it could be our church lives, social lives, or even professional lives. But God indwelling in us is often put to the side and ignored over time to become that rubble, a shadow of what God indwelling in us should be like. And we have all done this. Nobody is special in this regard. I mean, who hasn't wanted to go from strength to strength in their spiritual life, but moments of distraction, neglect, have become the norm? So maybe then you're thinking, is this a call to return to those glory days, those days when you felt especially close to God? Those moments when you prayed really well, when you attended church even better than you are today? But no, God has given something better than our history to dwell on. God has given us a perfect temple, the one that was destroyed and then risen again. This temple is one without flaw, but this comparison isn't meant to make us feel that stress or strain to live that perfect life. We can't do that. But like the Israelites, we don't live in that ideal world we can, that we would like to live in. But we can draw from Scripture as the dangers that surround us, seen and unseen. Pressure to conform to a society that rejects us. It's always there. But like the Hebrews, we can start with the small steps, the very small steps, to build up our body, this temple, a dwelling place for God. And the very first step starts with laying that foundation by putting God beyond our earthly desires and fears. And we can do this in God's strength, which is declared three times in this passage for us to take. So in this strength, we can continue or even start that building work which is always needed in our lives. But this is distinct from the second comparison that I'd like to focus on in verse 9 of Haggai, where it is said, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, 
declares the Lord Almighty. These were brave words, the words delivered by the prophet. The end of this promise in particular, declared by the Lord, would have seemed almost outlandish to the previous generations. You've seen the splendors of Solomon's temple. To match or even exceed this with the resources of a beleaguered people, it would have seemed utterly crazy to the people listening there. You've seen the numbers. But this comparison was, in fact, a comparison of hope. Oftentimes, we, like the Israelites, focus on what we have at hand, or sometimes what we don't have at hand, be it time, money, attention, or even the knowledge that we so often like to trust in. We tend to frame our lives within those things as well, but we can lose fat lose focus of the fact that we are a very small part of this overall equation, with God being the one to provide all these things. While we are shaky ground at best, but in God's promises and ways, we can always rely, and we can hope in him, for it is he, not us, who is forever faithful. As he was to the Jews for the building of that temple, and while this temple did not have God's presence coming down like in Second Chronicles, as David has mentioned. But instead, God made man, the Prince of Peace, came in and gave glory to this temple like no other. Glory that to this day causes millions of visitors to cross the seas from all parts of the planet to see this ground where the temple stood, where Jesus had once walked and had taught. And the final comparison that I will quickly go through here tonight is the comparison made after the foundation of the temple was laid in Ezra chapter 3. But many of the older, reading from Ezra chapter 3, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. This final comparison made by the people of Israel themselves, the laying of the foundations seemed like a strange place to make it, but it was always a key event for any building project. The civil engineers or structural will know, but more so here because not only was it the key structure for the temple to be built on, it was a statement. It showed the people's obedience to God's call to build him a temple against the Samaritans' wishes and against other hostile presences surrounding them. However, in this, you'd think, happy event, some chose to weep, which seems like a strange thing, but Even with the modern CGI, I'm not sure we could do an accurate comparison of the glorious Solomon's temple with the holes in the ground which the Israelites were looking at that day. So was it that? Should all the people of Israel have been weeping? Should they all have been mourning? No. For the foundations they saw were far more glorious. They were far more than just holes, wood, and metal. The foundations represented God's enduring forgiveness and love for his people. A people who we shouldn't forget turned their backs on God time 
after time after time, only to be told by God to build him a temple, to abide in, to allow the people to present their request to him. And most incredible of all, for him to show his incredible favor back towards them. We often tend to sit and stew far too long on those moments where we fall short of what we should be doing. But the self-pity of past mistakes or where we are right now can take away from God's truly incredible love and forgiveness. When I read this comparison, I was reminded of, the, of this passage which I will quickly read from you from Lamentations. <laughs> Starting from verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I'm not sure I could say it any better than that. God's provision was in part the silver, the gold, the bronze, the timber, and the incredible design provided to them. But all this is far, far short of his main gift, the provision of his forgiveness, love, and presence. In this day, we too, all of us here, have this portion, and in that, we have glory far beyond Solomon's temple. To close out this evening, I would like to summarize the few points that I covered. To first, Keep your eyes on Jesus. We are all going through this building work, but we should always not neglect any of the other important resources that we have. But beyond that, Jesus should always be the center of whatever we're going through. And that temple which Jesus has given us, whether we're going through a season of plenty or not, there is always God's incredible promises to look at. And in them, we can see what will be one day. And though, although incredible, they can be trusted and believed in, even though that they may come in different shapes and forms, oftentimes different shapes and forms than we were expecting or wanted. But in those promises, we should keep on building this temple and not let time and neglect turn it into the rubble that can happen. And finally, in this world, when we're judged and looked at on our education, experiences, wealth, and appearance, none of these things could ever hold a candle to the light of God's glory, love, presence, and faithfulness overflowing in our lives. May God bless this message richly into your bodies. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we give thanks to you this day for this incredible privilege of opening your word, sharing in this worship, and sharing in your teachings. We give thanks to you for all these souls that have come out this day to have learned, seek, and therefore ask questions in their souls. We pray that you, O Lord, will be the one to fill them, that your Holy Spirit would come down and fill our temples, and that we will look to you to be the one to build our lives on. And you are our all in all. And that we pray that wherever our, our members of this family are scattered across the world, we will seek you and we will find you each and every day of our lives. I pray and commit the rest of this day into your mighty hands. In Jesus Christ's holy name.
Amen.